Our dear God and Father, we thank you and praise you because of your goodness to us. What a God you are, a loving Father. We thank you for the gift of life, the gift of another day, the gift of another month, the gift of another year. It is not because of what we've done. That is why you give us all these things free. But it is all because of your love and your mercy that you have a plan and a purpose for us. Therefore, Father, speak to all of us who hear you, from the leaders, the rulers, the people, wherever we serve you. Lord, may we truly know that we are caretakers of the life and opportunities you've given us. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ, the only one who lives, reigns, and will come again very soon. It is in his name that we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Love and greetings from Calvary Baptist Church. This is Pastor Fred Digby. The past several weeks we've been learning about Jesus, what makes him special, why he's our savior, why we live for him, why we must proclaim his love to all people, and why you, as his servant, must seek to live like him. Today we'll continue and look at one of the early things Jesus did, the call of his disciples, in this particular case, the call of Peter and Andrew. You see, we read this to know that Jesus called ordinary people to serve him. They were not very fantastic people in terms of money or in society. They didn't have any degrees. They didn't have any big, big pedigree or family that they came from. What makes them who they are today? That is why we can call them disciples. And that's why some can even call them St. Peter and St. Andrew. It's because of their love for Jesus, their willingness to follow Jesus. Yes, they are not saints because of the miracles that were done after they died and their name was mentioned. They are saints, which means they were set apart to do God's work and they were willing and obeyed God. So I can call you today St. Kofi, St. Amma, St. Ajwa, St. Fred, or St. Jonah, wherever you are. If you respond to the call of God and you are willing for him to teach you and to lead you. So we see the call of Peter and Andrew. First, let's see where Jesus went to minister. He was born in Bethlehem, we know. He grew up in Nazareth. When the time came for him to do his work, it's interesting to see what Matthew records about where he worked. He says in Matthew chapter 4, from verse 13 to 15, Jesus left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. He was in the region of Zebulon and Naphtali, so that the prophet Isaiah, what he said, might come true. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali on the way to the sea across the river Jordan. Galilee, where foreigners live. Galilee, where foreigners live. Jesus went to cities and areas that were mentioned. And all along the way, he was ministering to people. Now, one thing remarkable that we should take note of is that in those days, they walked everywhere they were going. So can you imagine it? The Son of Man came. The Son of God came to this world. 
and had a mission to fulfill. He did not call his father to bring him chariots. He did not do any of those things that people do to show that they are big and they are important. But he walked everywhere he went, he walked. He walked preaching. He walked to the dark villages. People who thought they were nobodies. Nobody ever walked to them. Before Christ came, some of these cities only existed in the minds of people. Like some of the villages we talk about today. No light, nothing. And what did he do there? He walked everywhere to proclaim to them the light has come, that the Savior has come, that they, it doesn't matter where they were born, what their circumstances are, Christ can touch them. Christ can make them who he wants them to be if only they hear his word and are willing to follow him. And the Bible tells us clearly that this is in fulfillment of what Isaiah said. Say, the people who lived in darkness have seen a bright light. A light has risen for those who live in a land overshadowed by death. These people seem to have been forgotten. But Isaiah 9-2 said, Christ will come and he will be the light of the world. And when he came, he did not hide the light. He spread it everywhere. Where people will see him, they will worship him, they will hear the good news. Today, through TV, through radio, through all kinds of means, people are being reached. But there's nothing as great and as comforting and as refreshing as a personal one-to-one touch. And may we do that. May we continue to do that. Because that is what our Lord and Savior Jesus did. He walked everywhere. Wherever he walked and went to the people, they heard him, they saw him, they felt his presence, and they knew that truly he loved them. There are still billions and billions who are waiting for you and I to show them the love of the Master by going where they are, in the hospitals, in the prisons, in the marketplaces, my neighbor beside me. And the question is, am I doing what Lord wants me to do? He got out and walked everywhere. But today, if we don't have a car, or even if we have a car, it's not air-conditioned, we don't want to go. No, he didn't even have a bicycle. He walked everywhere. May that challenge you and I to know when Christ calls us, he showed the example that he was sent by God and was willing to do what God wanted him to do, including walking and telling and showing people and giving them hope and encouragement. You see, but he did not just go to those villages as a tourist to go and look around and see what was happening there. He had a message for them, a message. He had something concrete that he was going to tell them, something that you and I must hear and must respond to, and all who hear us must respond to it. Christ said he came with a message. Look at Matthew chapter 4 from verse 17 to 22 again. From then on, Jesus began to tell people, Tend to God and change the way you think and act because the kingdom of heaven is near. Hallelujah. I like this new version. The version is God's word. You see, the older version will say he told them to repent. What is the meaning of repentance? Well, the God's word breaks down the original language to us to, to understand what repentance means. Turn to God and change the way you think 
and act. Change the way you think and act because the kingdom of heaven is near. People lived in the world. We all live in this world. So we think the way the world thinks. Sometimes what is bad, people call it good. You will not be able to tell the truth because you go to prison. You see people suffering and you are happy because your joy is to make money and you are cashing in on people. When they need help, we are not able to help them or we are not willing to help them. We just glorify ourselves and our family members and our party members. But Jesus came and said, tend to God first. Repentance means you tend to God. You see, God as the one who made you, God as the one who keeps you, God as the one who gives you life, and God as the one who eventually would ask you to account for your life one day. So repentance means one, turning to God, tend to Him. If you haven't turned to Him, it's as easy as having faith in Him and say, Lord, I tend to you. God, I tend to you. Lord, I know you are calling me. I know you you made me, so I'm connecting with you again today. Come into my life. Let me live for you. Direct me, and I'll continue to follow you. So he said, first, tend to God, and then change the way you think and act. Thinking, as a man thinketh, so is he. What is it that goes on in your mind? Who do you think you are? What do you think about God? What do you think about people? Do you think about the things that are pure, that are noble, that are just, that are worthy of report, or you think about power, sex, money, travel, all these things that are in the world, is that the only thing you think about? No. You think you are nothing, you are nobody, you are useless, or you are great, you are from this important tribe. What is your thinking like? Does it reflect the love of God, the humility that God wants you to display? Is my tongue seasoned enough? Do I bless people? Do I encourage them? Or I discourage them? Do I tell the truth in love? So he gives us a markers. So markers, change the way you think and change the way you act. Talk is cheap, they say. So, say if you love somebody, you must show it. If you're attached, you must do something. If you have, you must give. If you steal, you do not steal any longer. If you are caught in sin, and God has changed you. The changed life must show that, yes, you have changed by being a different type of person. People must see you and say, wow, what happened to you? And you will tell them, God has changed me. Christ has come into my life. So repentance is a big word. I'll tell you, if you're a student of the Bible, just take the Bible, concordance, and look at the word repentance and see where it is used in the Bible and what it means. But let me just summarize it. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 17, Jesus began to tell the people, turn to God and change the way you think and act. Would one takeaway from this message today be, the Lord, I'll turn to God. You are always there. I am the one who walks away. But from today, I'll turn to you. Help me to change the way I think the way I act, because the kingdom of heaven is near. So the Lord is telling us how to get to the kingdom of heaven, how to get there. We talk about it, you think about it, you dream about it, but to get there, to enjoy it, and even to have a foretaste of it, it must start from the way you think, 
the way you have changed, turning to God, the way you act, because you have the kingdom in view. Hallelujah. So it's just like somebody who wants to travel and go to a cold country, or you, you know that where you are going is cold, or where you are going is so hot, you pack your clothes in such a way that when you go there, you fit into that place. You dress appropriately. You are bound for heaven if you're a child of God, if you want to go there. So the proper attire is your thinking, is your acting, is your attitude towards God, which is also shown in our attitude to our neighbors, our friends. And God brings all these people our way to test us. He calls us. But then Jesus went on. When he was preaching, amazingly, when Jesus came, he called people to be with him. And what I'm going to read now is recorded in almost all the accounts. In Mark 1, we read it. Luke 5, we read it. And we are reading Matthew 4, 18 to 22. It says, as he was walking along the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew. And they were throwing a net into the sea because they were fishermen. Fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come, follow me. I will teach you how to catch people instead of fish. They immediately left their nets and followed him. As Jesus went on, he saw two other brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets to go fishing. He called them, and they immediately left the boat and their father and followed Jesus. Hallelujah. Here Jesus reaching out to people and calling them. Jesus saw Peter and Andrew fishing. They were working at their job. You see, fishing was the occupation of many, many men in those days because they lived by the Sea of Galilee. They had to work. And whilst they were working, the Lord called them. There are people today God is calling you. I say, oh Lord, I went to school to become a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer. Or some will say, oh Lord, why are you even calling me? Why are you bothering me? Is it good enough to go to church? Yes, it's good enough to serve God where you are. But when he's calling you, you must respond. And these ordinary people, he called them. And they responded. It's amazing that when he called them, they followed. Even John and James were working with their father. But when he called, they left everything and they followed him. Remember, other versions tell us he went about praying, praying, Lord, give me the people who work with me. Lord, give me the people who walk with me. People I can teach, people I can make disciples. And so when he called, the power was there, the charisma was there, the willingness of the people were there, and they followed him. May we also be disciple makers, willing to give our lives to people, willing to teach them what it means to follow Jesus. But when he called them, it's amazing what he told them. Because today, some of the things we tell people is so far away from what Christ told these people. We tell them, if you come to Jesus, Yes, he will make you rich. He will make you prosperous. He will give you a blessing. He will make you travel abroad. He will give you visa. He will give you all of these things. God can do it for you. But let's get the priority right. 
First things first. What did Jesus promise this man? What did he tell them? Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I'll make you. Two important words, follow and make. If we follow Christ, he will make us who he wants us to be. So we should permit Christ to work in us, work through us, work on us. We'll be under construction, constantly working on us. We should be like clay in Christ's hands, allowing him to mold us, to shape us the way he wants us to live. So he called these men. They were fishermen. So they understood the hard work of fishing, the hard work of scaling the fishes, the hard work of toiling the sea and the lake and not getting anything. And when they caught any fish, how joyful it was, how that gave them a living, how they used that to feed their families, how that prepared them for old age. So today, you may not be that type of fisher, but let me suggest to you, you are also fishing. You are fishing in the office, in the school, in the market, wherever you are, that is your field. So if Jesus were calling you, say, come, and I'll make you a plumber of men. I'll make you an engineer of men. I'll make you a doctor, a doctor of men. I'll make you a soldier who brings men to me. Follow me. But whatever he says, follow me. He said, I will make you. Are you following him? Is he making you? Are you allowing him to mold you and to change you? Or you are in his hands, so you think, but you do your own thing. When he says, come, you don't come. You don't follow him. You do your own thing. I saw this man walking a dog recently, and it always gives me a picture of what Jesus might be saying, follow me and I'll make you. Either the man was taking his dog for a walk, or the, or the dog was taking the man for a walk. Obviously, the man was taking the dog for a walk. Very nice dog, bathed, obedient, following the master. But somewhere along the line, it looks like the dog smells something in a black bulletin bag somewhere. So all his attention was drawn to that. And as the master dragged the dog, let's go, let's go, let's go, calling him coolly, come, come. The dog was busy going to where he wanted to go, apparently going to take something that his natural nature, his animal nature wanted so badly. It may have been a rotten meat, something, something that was calling him. And the master would say, come, 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 come. And he was resisting it. Friends, it gave me a sad picture of us. Jesus says, come and I'll make you. Follow me and I'll give you good food, good direction, good leadership. But because we live in this world, there are things that appeal to our lower nature. The lying, the cheating, the corruption, the compromises. Sometimes we do those things because of illness, because of affliction. And the Lord says, come, follow me. You are following him, but you turn away. You struggle. And amazingly, when that dog on the leash was following the master, but turned, the master kept asking, come, come, come. And later on, he pulled the leash. And the dog felt the pain. And he commanded it, come, come, come. Finally, the dog yielded and followed the master. Friends, God has made us. We are not like dogs. So we have our own leaning. We have our own inclination. But he fills us with his spirit. And the spirit will drag you. Come, come. Are you willing to follow him? willingly. 
so that he will make you who and what he wants you to be. If not today, just give your life to him and say, Lord, I'm following you. I'm, let me follow you totally and completely because that is when I get the full benefit of being your disciple. It may not be easy. This attraction of the world, of the flesh, of my colleagues, but Lord, I know that you have the best for me. You see, after that dog walks faithfully, I can just imagine when they get home, it will go and drink water from a clean bowl. The master may give you some good food to eat and pat it and enjoy his company. But if that dog had gone to eat that dirty meat, it would be stinking, it would be smelling. The master wouldn't like it. It, won't, it has to wash it all over again. That is what sin does to us. It mars us. It flaws us. It drives us away when even nobody is driving us away. But we can come to the master for cleansing. So they followed him. They followed him not as people who were on exhibition, who were on display, people who had it all together. But Jesus was their coach. And they followed him as was his command so that he could train them he could show them his consent. Follow me and I'll make you. So we read from Matthew chapter 2, from verse 23 to 25, some of the things that happened. Jesus went all over Galilee. He taught in the synagogues and spread the good news of the kingdom. He also cured every disease and sickness among the people. The news about Jesus spread throughout Syria. People brought him Everyone who was sick, those who suffered from any kind of disease or pain, they also brought epileptics, those who were paralyzed, and people possessed by demons. He cured them all. Large crowds followed him. They came from Galilee, the ten cities, from Jerusalem, Judea, from across the river Jordan. They came from everywhere. Why? Because he had a message, he had a consent for them. Jesus came to minister. And we see from this passage that three types of ministry segments occupied him. The ministry of Christ was threefold. He gives that ministry today to the church, to his apostles, to his servants, to do these things. They saw him do it. He was teaching them. He taught men about God and how to live for God. So distinctive teaching. What is the kingdom of God like? Who are you? Who made you? Where are you going? What is it that is influencing this world? How are you to live? What do you need to know about Satan? So teaching means having information, explaining that information, and making it clear for people to understand, just like we're trying to do today. Yes, you teach men and women about how to live for God, what is right and what is wrong. They call some the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are you when men ridicule you for my sake. You will love me. You will serve me. Do unto others what you want them to do unto you. He will teach them all of these things. He will tell you how to be filled with the Spirit, making you a new person, because that is what He has in store for you. Then preaching. He preached the kingdom of God. That's when he's declaring the greatness of God, the goodness of God, that God made human beings in his image. 
God is the one who rules and reigns in all things, teaching us and preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. Yes, there are things that you can see, but there are other things you cannot see. And God is the one, he's the beginning, he's the end. Obey him, love him, serve him, preaching the gospel, the good news, that I am in your midst, and therefore you can live and live for tomorrow. You don't need to die in your sin. God has forgiven you. He has made all things new. Come to me. So he taught them, he preached, and then he healed them. He healed them of all kinds of sicknesses. Amazing. That is why still today we call him the great physician. In the Bible, they love him, call him the great physician. My great physician heals the sick. So the disciples were following him and were listening to him teaching, preaching, and healing. They knew about teaching. Yes, the rabbis did it. They did it in the synagogues. Sometimes it didn't even make sense because the people who taught, taught those things and they really did not believe it. But his was different. They, those who taught added so many things to it and their lifestyle was so far removed from what they were teaching that people didn't believe him. But Jesus' ministry, teaching, preaching, and healing was just remarkable. Nobody has seen that type of ministry before. And it still continues today. It continues with you and I who are his disciples. He has distributed gifts to those who follow him. That today, you may not be able to do all of these things, but as a body, as a people of Christ, as a church of Christ, as disciples of Christ, all his various gifts are available for us to use to glorify his name so that the focus of the church will not only be this world, in the world to come, but also touching people and touching their needs. So what are some of the things he did? See, he healed all types of sicknesses. The Bible says diverse diseases, all types of sicknesses. Whatever their names are, nobody cares. He didn't care about them. One thing he knew, that if you are not aligned properly, Christ can heal you. So today, as you hear his word, may he touch you. May he touch you. I declare that he is touching you. Your pain, your neck, your leg, your stomach, receive the healing touch of Jesus because he's able to work on all diverse sicknesses. I heard this testimony some time ago about a man who went and the doctor said, I can't do anything. He said, yes, thank you. You cannot do anything. But I know my Jesus is the great physician. Let your faith in Jesus bring you that healing. Let the compassion and the love of Jesus touch you today. Then there were people who were tormented with all kinds of pain and suffering. There were some who were possessed by demons. He cast them out. There were some who were even insane, mad. Excuse me to say, they couldn't tell. They are left from their right, living in the tombs, eating from the gutters and dishes. People had thrown them away. He touched them. There were those who were paralyzed, who couldn't walk. He touched them. And verse 25 Great multitudes followed him wherever he went, just to see his miracles. So great multitudes followed him wherever he went because of his goodness. But in all these things, his disciples were to learn and take the baton from him to continue. He's calling you today. Has he called you today? Are you following him? Are you learning from him? He has saved you so you may go and serve Come, 
follow me. See what I do and go and do a similar thing. May this be established in your life that you will see your purpose, Christ's agenda for your life and live to bring him glory and honor. May this be established in you both now and forevermore. Amen.